Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 53, Jovan McKenzie stops by the show to drop some funky beats. Let's go. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips and advice on writing fast, writing often and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am so pumped that you are here, however you found us. If you're on the train, on the treadmill, putting the kids to bed, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, whatever you are doing, however you are hearing my voice, welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well. And today we have another spectacular interview. Jovan McKenzie. This is a first for us on the podcast. He is a hip hop artist, a rapper, and we actually talk about the difference between hip hop and rap and rapper. And as a white man who actually enjoys hip hop, I wanted him to clarify what the difference between was rap and hip hop and all of that. And so we're going to talk about that, but I wanted to have Jovan. He's been a friend for years and I love Jovan's heart. I love the message that he shares through his music. And he deals with some heavy stuff, uh, racism, poverty, growing up, single mom, hard life. And we talk about that. We talk about his music. We talk about the struggles growing up and how art and how music can be and writing can be such a powerful medium to get messages out into the world and to talk about hard things that sometimes writing and art and music is the only way that we can communicate hard things. Um, and so we talk about that and I, I really appreciate him coming on the show. He's a, he's a good friend and, and really going to enjoy this. And, and one of the things too, that, that I think is important that even though he's a hip hop artist, 
is we talk about his writing process and it's very similar to how someone would write a book or write an article and, and very much how to piece things together where he gets his ideas from. And so hopefully you'll gain a lot from, uh, from Jovan and he is a writer. He, he writes all kinds of stuff and music and he's making films and doing all kinds of stuff. So you'll hear more about that. So before we get to the interview, just a couple things. As always, we are sponsored today by subculturecorsets.com, um, subculture corsets and clothing. And if you would like to get someone special, some clothing, men, women, um, I think they even have younger kids stuff. If you want to get my friend Armand Rosamilia's books, if you want to get some retro vintage cool hipster clothing subculture corsets is the place to go. Uh, depending on when you are hearing this, you might be a little late on getting them for Christmas, but we know we all get cash and gift cards and all kinds of things. So if you want to check out some very cool clothing, subculturecorsets.com. When you go to the checkout, just put in the prolific writer and get 10% off your next visit or next purchase, I should say. And if you're in the area, in the Jacksonville area, they're right off I-95. Go check them out. They have a store as well, and a walk-in store, and you can check out all their cool stuff. So subculturecourses.com. Thanks for supporting the show and supporting Project Entertainment Network. We're really glad that you're part of our team and support what we're doing. So thank you for that. So with... Uh, I should say, without further ado, I don't have anything else. I hope you all have a merry, merry Christmas. I'm going to get to the interview with Jovan McKenzie. So here's Jovan. Never has the story of the old glory needed introduction or reduction. Just the passing on of morals from the parents to the children's generation. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I am privileged today to have Jovan McKenzie on the show. And Jovan is our first official hip-hop artist. And uh, why don't you say hello, Jovan? How's everybody doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, Jovan and I have uh, known each other for a couple of years. It's actually been a couple of years since we've we've chatted. And uh, Jovan has a new album out, and uh, the 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 official title is Crooked, correct? Yes, Crooked Ten. Yes, Crooked Ten. Okay, I've missed the ten part. Okay. Yes. Um, and it's a great album. Um, I've listened to it like five times all the way through, and uh, I think you guys are going to love it. And uh, I wanted to talk to Jovan today because uh, I think hip hop is an interesting art form that. Um, can communicate in ways that maybe the written word can't. And uh, we're going to talk about his process. We're going to talk about the album. We're going to talk about influences and all kinds of stuff. So, um, so yeah, hey, thanks for uh, coming on the show, Jovan. That's no problem at all. Yeah, so let me let me ask you, just starting out, uh, the album, I uh, listened through it quite a few times. I really really enjoyed it. And uh, it, it's got some heavy themes, uh, as you know, because you made it. And, uh, and you, you talk about, you know, race and you talk about, you know, police brutality, you talk about, you know, people dying and, you know, hard upbringings and, and all that. And uh, so let's let's talk a little bit kind of where the the genesis of this particular album uh, came from, kind of what, where were you at? What were you thinking about? How did all these songs come together? Yeah, um, the, the genesis of the project, because, um, you know, the last album I did, All Hell, and that basically I was in a I was in a space to where. I didn't know um, 
okay, when it comes to like, you, you know, you talk about hip hop and Christian hip hop and things like that. I didn't know what space, uh, as I was looking more into the arts and how to do effective art, I didn't know that I want to continue on with like, do I want to be just a, every song, is it theological or is it, is it like, am I teaching the Bible or did I want to do just make music? I didn't know really what I wanted to do. So I kind of wanted to have like some type of balance while I still let you know what I, where I stood on issues, but it wasn't like the old Javon McKenzie where you would just get a lesson, you know, you would just mm -hmm. get like, like I'm a teacher, but I'm just rapping. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to do more, you know, look at the world. If I had an audience full of different belief systems, different age groups, white, black, old, young, what type of message would I want them to hear? Mm -hmm. You know, do I want to do a Bible study or do I want to have a universal approach that still shows you where my worldview is at and still answers your questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And so within that, there was a, uh, a, a boy who was killed named Aiden McClendon, who I talk about in the album. It's one of my friend's nephew. He was killed here in Jacksonville, Florida, um, at the age of, he wasn't even two years old and he was killed in a drive-by. Um, and they weren't trying to kill him. They were trying to kill his cousin. So anyway, that actually, uh, that actually sparked the, um, concept of this album. And so basically the album is called Crooked 10. And so there's many different, which we can kind of get later why I named it that, but mm -hmm. just to kind of give you the concept of the album, um, Aiden McClendon, his death basically causes me to reflect on my own life and me being 31 years old, I've lived 31 years. And so I've seen childhood. I was able to be nine years old at Chuck E. Cheese or Discovery Zone or, you know, go to the movies. I was able to be 12 years old starting my first day at middle school. I was able to go through high school and go to the army, all these different things I was able that he will never see. Um, and so what it did was it caused me to reflect on my own life and say, well, how have I took life for granted? And also, what have I seen in my life and look at the opportunities that he did not have? And so it caused me to do some reflecting. But also while reflecting, it caused me to think about well, who I am in my worldview as a Christian is a black man in America that not only comes from the perspective of dealing with the crime in my own community, the black, you know, let's say black and black crime, the abortion, the drug dealing, all that type of stuff that that goes on that I've seen personally. But also, even when I step outside of that neighborhood of that world, I go into another world which is full with systemic racism, which is full of um, just different things whether it be from government or just be from society or American culture in general. And so I was like, I'm, I'm this guy that's navigating through life. And at the same time, I'm reflecting, looking at the past and seeing how um, the life that I live, which the choices that I made, even as a child, how it's led up to where I am now being fatherless, um, just those different aspects. And so there were so many things that were in my mind. But the main thing I wanted to communicate was a young man in America who is a person of color, who is not only seeing the issues in his own community caused by his community, but also seeing the issues in his community that are caused by people outside of his community. And so I wanted to try to communicate that on this project. Uh -huh. No, I think that comes comes through a lot. I think there's a you have a, a song about uh, you, your mother, and uh, which is really really beautiful. And uh, you know, you talk about you know, I, I don't know if you lost your father or your father just wasn't around, but you talk about that. And yeah, you talk a lot about growing up. You talk about uh, there's one song I really loved about you talk about just being kind of your authentic self. You know, like the the kid who likes comic books and jazz and all that. Um, I thought that was really really great, but. Um, so going along that thread, so I, I know a lot of musicians will, 
um, kind of either come up with like the music first or the lyrics first, or they'll come up with like a concept or a theme. Like as, as you were putting this album together, were you, were you thinking about that theme first and then kind of building the songs from there? Or did you have some kind of stuff already put together? Like how, how'd you kind of think? Cause that thread really does come through. Like you talked about reflecting on your life and, you know, not taking life for granted and all that. Um, was that kind of like, okay, now I got the theme. Now I'm going to just going to write some songs to this theme or how, talk a little bit about your process. Yeah, the actual, that's a good question. The actual theme came a little bit later. It came earlier on in the beginning, but not at the very beginning. What happened was I have a producer, uh, Rico Gibson, shout out to him. He did all the production. So all the music you hear is stuff that he produced himself. Um, we had a couple samples in there. Um, so he did all the music. And so what happened was we were originally, it started off as a, it went from one song that we were going to do to an EP, which is basically usually a project, which is between five and seven songs Mm -hmm. to a whole album, which is more than those five to seven songs. And so uh, I originally was like, hey, you know, send me some beats. I knew he was working on some stuff. He was getting better in his craft. I was getting better in mine. And so I I was just thinking of doing a song. We had did the All Hell project together. And so I was like, well, maybe let's do another, uh, you know, before I even said, let's do another album. I said, well, let's just do a song. And then when I heard the, the the record and what I wrote to it, I was like, man, we, we need to at least put out five songs. You know what I'm saying? Because I heard some other beats that I liked and I was only supposed to pick one. So I ended up picking like all five <laughs> or whatever. And then once I heard that, those five, I was like, OK, we just we just need to just do a whole project. And so then once I began to hear the beats and I started to get more of the beats, I started to thinking of what what would I say on this type of track? What does this make me think of? How does it make me feel? And then, you know, um, thinking of the eight and stuff in the past, because there were other young kids that got killed, too. You know, Tamir Rice at 12 years old was murdered um, by police. Um, and so what I wanted to do was. I could have easily used somebody like, you know, Tamir Rice or somebody that was murdered by cops. So what I wanted to do was before I even dealt with the government issues and the systemic issues, I wanted to deal with, you know, the in-house stuff. So the stuff that goes on in my community. So with somebody like Aiden being killed and being so close to to, to home for me, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to deal with the black on black aspect, you know, which is really, of course, when we when we talk about crime with whites, we don't say white on white, mm-hmm. but they call they say that. So I'm just saying that just for political terms or, or whatever to be politically correct. But but black people committing violence against other black people. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start there to show that I don't have a a, I'm very fair minded when it comes to talking about injustice, whether it be from a government official or whether it be from my next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to do I wanted to communicate that this whole thing about Aiden, this is not me talking about a cop killing Aiden. This is me talking about another black person or another human being who's who's not a government official official who killed this young man, this Mm -hmm. this baby. And so I wanted to I wanted to have that first. And so when I had that concept, then the, the the music started flowing. And like I said, it naturally caused me to reflect on my own life as a child. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I remember high school. I remember my first crush. Mm-hmm. I remember or, or, or in, in elementary. I remember going to middle school and getting bullied. I remember going to X, Y, Z. He'll never he'll never be able to sit down with you or me and talk about his reflecting on his past. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of sparked it. And once I started to get more of the beats, then I was like, OK. I'll I'll go ahead and write out these songs. So I think there was only one verse on the album that had already been written before I heard the tracks. Everything else was after I heard the track. Then I then I began to write. Hmm. Now, what, for your product, because you you've made a lot of music, uh, is it usually like that, or is it or is it does it not? Every project's different. I mean, as far as do you have sometimes have music in your head or lyrics in your head, or is it 
you get the beat and then right to the beat or does it kind of doesn't really matter? Um, it, 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 it's, it's a little bit of both. It, it really doesn't matter. I prefer to hear the beat first, but usually what happens is if I'm working or if I'm out, I may be at a restaurant or I may be walking down the street or I may be checking the mail or whatever. And I'll just get lyrics because I'm always thinking about what's going on in society. And, you know, when I watch the news or when I do whatever, when I'm reading books and I'll think of a line, there might be a punchline or there may be a line or something that I'll say. And and I'll be like, well, that's way too clever or that's way too good for me to just not write it down or at least record it on my phone so I can have it. So I'll record little lines here and there and I'll say something about this or something about whatever, and, and, uh, something about my life. And then when I hear a beat. And, and, and I and I kind of feel, you know, what I'm going to say on that beat, then then I'll go back and see if I can find anything that fits uh, any concepts or topics that fit with what I'm what this beat is making me feel like. If it's a type of beat that makes me want to reflect, is it something sad? Is it something that makes me want to vent on society or vent about whatever's going on, family issues or whatever? So I, I would go back on my phone and I would play record and just hear everything that I recorded up to that point and see if there's anything that fits. And if there's not, then I would just start from scratch. And maybe there is something where I would start from scratch, but then add maybe those lines or that concept into the song. So it's kind of a little bit of both, but it just really depends. I don't have like a particular format. I just whenever I think of stuff, instead of just like waiting to write a whole song, I'll just kind of jot notes down, brainstorm, and then I'll come back later and kind of finish the song. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I think with writing too, it's kind of the same thing that you get. Sometimes it's just an idea. It's just a, you know, a line, it's a theme, it's, you know, uh, whatever. And then you just kind of put that down and then you worry about it later, you know, and yeah. kind, of, kind of build with that. And it may just get stuck in or may get lost. It may, you know, get cut out. Um, well, Hey, before we get like further into like the process and kind of how you, you write and you do all that, um, let's talk a little bit about you, um, kind of where you came from. And cause a lot of what I love about this album, and again, I, I never know, you know, it's like writing. I never know if someone's telling it, you know, an actual true story or yeah. if it's just, you know, thematic or whatever. Um, yeah. but, but there's a lot of like hard things you talk about growing up without a father and, and not learning things that men are supposed to learn, you know, as a, as a kid without a, a dad, but also, you know, celebrating your mom who, you know, worked many jobs to kind of get you and your, your, it sounds like your brothers and sisters through school and through, you know, life. And, yeah. um, so let's talk about that kind of where, where you grew up. Sounds like you moved around a little bit. Um, but yeah, t talk about, I mean, you don't have to talk about every year of your life, but you know, where'd you kind of yeah. grow up? What were some of your influences? You know, how'd you get into hip hop? All those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was born in, uh, Berkeley, California, right outside of Oakland. And uh, at the time, my mom and grandmother and everybody, we actually lived in Oakland, but the hospital um, was just a better choice. Um, and so I was born in Berkeley, but we actually lived in Oakland for a few years. Um, and so what happened was early on in life, I ended up moving around a lot. Um, my father, he actually my mom and him weren't married. He actually was murdered when I was, uh, I want to say, two or three, maybe four, possibly, but two or three. So I don't remember him at all. Um, I just, you know, I've seen pictures of him and whatnot like that. So I, I didn't have a father from a very young age. And so, you know, I would have, you know, I've had a stepdad before. 
um, for, for a couple of years, but I never really had like a stable, f- uh, father figure in my life. The closest that I had was my grandfather, which when he was around, it was great for me, but he wasn't always around because, you know, he wasn't my dad, of course. Mm-hmm. So, but when we lived with him or lived close with him, he was some type of father figure. But other than that, I never had like a steady father figure in my life. And so we ended up moving, um, a couple of places. I lived in Washington state, um, in kindergarten, um, and actually a funny story about that. Um, this kind of goes into, you know, when you, t- cause when you talk about issues of race, especially when you're a black person mm-hmm. talking about talking about issues like white supremacy, people can, people can sometimes assume that you hate white people or that you have a grudge against white people. And there's a difference between hating white supremacy the, the ideology of it and hating white people. I don't hate white people. I hate white supremacy because I don't think whites are better than blacks, nor do I think blacks are better than whites. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all made in the image of God. And so we're all one. There's one race humanity. So I say that to say that when I was um, when I was four years old, my mo- my mother and I, uh, due to hard times, we ended up um, we knew some people up in Washington state. So we moved from California to Washington state. And there was a couple which are basically like my grandparents named Juanita and Joe. Uh, 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 um, and they, uh, they took us in and they were white hmm. and, um, you know, so they took us in, we lived with them for, I think like three years, two or three years. And, uh, you know, to this day I, I call them my grandparents, hmm. you know, I don't say my white grandparents or, you know, they're just, they're just my grandparents, um, they're, they're outside of my, you know, biological grandparents. Uh, so also when we left from there, um, we lived in Virginia and there were, there were hard financial times. And the only reason we even had certain Christmases and presents were because of white families that actually gave us money that would actually, you know, um, be a blessing to my mom because my mom had four kids. So, and she was working, you know, multiple jobs and stuff, just trying to keep the lights on and, 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 and keep us in the house. And, you know, we had cable and stuff like that, but you know, there were a couple Christmases that we wouldn't even have had or even clothes or toys that we wouldn't have had if it weren't for um, white people. You know what I'm saying? So I never I never want to get for people to get confused and think that, you know, with my upbringing, it was just I was just around a bunch of black people, which I was. But I was also around other cultures as well. But a lot of my earlier life, I would not have had if it weren't for people that were white. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I I wanted to make that clear. Um, So also as my upbringing, as I was getting older, when I got to middle school, there was a white lady named Elizabeth. She was actually a Catholic. And at the time, I didn't appreciate her because I was, you know, I was just a knucklehead. Mm -hmm. I was probably in like sixth grade. And uh, she used to take me to McDonald's all the time. She would tutor me. She would bring me back to the Catholic church and, you know, just kind of let me hang out and stuff like that. And I I really wish to this day that I could find her. I don't remember her last name. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's alive. I would love to tell her how much she's been a blessing to my life. Mm -hmm. But at the time as a kid, you're just kind of like, oh, whatever. Like you kind of feel like it's owed to you. So at the time I didn't really appreciate it. And so there were things like that that were in my life from people that were not black. Uh, You know what I'm saying? And so that kind of shaped me. Um, And so I didn't really see the racism stuff earlier on in my life. It was later as I got older, as I be as I became looked at, quote unquote, as a threat Mm -hmm. when I became 15, 16 years old and I would walk into a store, I would interact with cops. That's when I actually started really noticing that. But as a child, you know how they kind of say a child is, you know, they're ignorant in a sense. Mm-hmm. They're 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 innocent in the sense where you just don't it, that just reality is not real to you unless it's a real traumatic event that happens. And so we moved around a lot of places. Um, 
like I said, didn't have a dad. I have uh, three other siblings that were younger than me. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, I started getting into hip hop which God would use later in my life. But I started listening to people like, you know, probably 11, 12 years old. I always listened to rap, but I started actually connecting with it probably at 10 or 11. Uh Uh, Because when I was getting bullied and stuff, I would listen to Tupac songs, talk about being hopeless. Uh I would listen to stuff about people talking about being in poverty or not having stuff. And I'm like, man, that's where I'm at. Uh You know, I'm getting, you know, picked on and we don't have the money for X, Y, Z. We don't have the life that some of my other friends, especially white friends had. We didn't have those type of lives, Uh you know, so they're going back to the middle class. We're going back to the to gunshots. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a different atmosphere for me. And so, like I said, as I got older, that began to shape me in more ways than I actually thought. And some of it is actually reflected on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of it later on, um, which we'll talk about later, of course. But this album is actually a story that's there's a bigger narrative to this album that I'll be doing when you hear newer projects from me. You'll actually hear a lot of the stuff that I'm actually talking about now in more detail or whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a heavy, hard hitting. I mean, I I don't like to gr- acknowledge this as a grown man, but I literally I almost cried on one of the songs. Like, I just yeah. you know, just like the the combination of I mean, one I I grew up in L.A. and you know, pretty diverse communities, and you know, everything yeah. you can think of, rich and poor, and black and white, and everything else. But, um, but you know, I I grew up in a pretty you know middle class white family that you know, didn't experience the things that you, you know, my, my parents were intact pretty much till through high school, but, um, you know, I wasn't worried about gunshots and things like that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things I think with, what's so powerful about art is that you kind of bring people into a world that maybe they've never, you know, experienced or they've never walked in or, or just don't, don't get it. Like I, you know, and, and I think a few times almost coming to tears is because I don't understand, you know, and, you know, driving down the street and worrying about getting pulled over or worrying about, you know, not mm-hmm. moving too fast because I don't want to get killed by, you know, by a cop or whatever. Um, getting yeah. getting harassed. Some of my black friends like, you know, walks into a target and he gets harassed. You know, it's like I don't yeah. I don't understand that. Like I have no category for that. I have no no way of, of kind of putting myself in people's shoes that have walked through that. And yeah, and I, and I love the album because of that, because it, it kind of tells these stories. And I mean, obviously they're, they're real and they're honest and they're, um, but, but sometimes I think that's, you know, the thing with art, I mean, even if it's fiction or, um, sometimes it's easier to communicate hard things that way. Um, yeah. And hip hop has always been, I think one of those mediums, uh, that has been able to kind of tell the truth. And, and I think it resonates with a lot of people and, it, and it's not even a black white thing. I think it's just yeah. all people. It's, it, you know, you guys that's seem, right. you, you seem to have, kind of a prophetic voice um that maybe other artists don't um because I, I remember growing up i mean listening to horrible stuff but like nwa and ice cream and, and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah um but you know i'm living in la and i'm going this but this is the world that i understand like i get this like this is going on mm-hmm. around us like i i you know i can't maybe resonate as personally but i do see this going on i mean i, I grew up through the la riots and you know had baseball games canceled because stuff was literally burning down around us and you know um you know, the Rodney King stuff and OJ and all that stuff. Like when that was going on, it was like, man, all these hip hop artists were write, writing these songs about like racism and police, police brutality and, and all that. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people just kind of resisted it. Like they didn't want to admit it. They didn't want to acknowledge it. They just wanted to, hopefully it would just kind of go away. Yeah. Um, but that's the difference between, you know, living in, in the hood versus living in the suburbs or wherever is mm-hmm. there's a part of our, like I, we live in a pretty, 
um, pretty hard area now in Kansas city. And, and it's just kind of a forgotten part of our city. Like there's a lot of poverty, a lot of violence, a lot of stuff. And, and yet it doesn't make the news like other parts of our city. Um, so, so talk a little bit about that, that kind of the, the road to hip hop. I mean, the, the way, you know, when did you kind of go, Hey, I really like this. Um, I think I want to do this. Um, not just, Hey, I enjoy listening to it, you know, listen to Tupac or whatever, but mm-hmm. when did you kind of start, you know, and, and can I ask you one other question? This is like a dumb, yeah, dumb burning question. What is the <laughs> difference between, this is a dumb white man. What's, <laughs> what's the difference between rap and hip hop? Um, rap, <laughs> is there a rap difference? More, some kind of somewhat. It just depends on the context that you're using because it's interchangeable. Uh-huh. But basically, okay, to make it real simple, uh, rap is the medium, it's the art form. Okay. So rap would be if I'm rhyming, you know, if I'm, you know, rapidly rapid rhythm over beats, that would be rap. Hip hop is a culture. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a it's a subculture in a sense where it is, you know, you talk about the DJ, how it originally started. You had the DJ, DJ you had the graffiti artist, you had the MC, uh, you had breakdancing. That mm-hmm. that is hip hop. So there's a so hip hop is the culture. So you do hip hop. You're a part of that culture gotcha. in the inner city. And then from that culture uh, or, or, you know, one of that is the MC, which now we call the rapper. Okay. You know, um, so that's that's one I do. So in a sense, I do one part or one genre of hip hop in a sense or one. I'm in one area of hip hop. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what not. So, yeah. So t- so talk a little bit about kind of the, the influence, the hip hop culture, the, the the kind of, you know, when did you start writing things? When did you start? Mm-hmm. You know, how does that even work? I mean, I, I you know, I play a little yeah. guitar. I know it's not like picking up a guitar. So how do you yeah. how do you kind of get into it? <laughs> oh, it's actually pretty funny, man. I'll tell you a funny story. Um Actually, I I think I was 14. I was living in, I want to say at this time we had just moved to Maryland. And um, yeah, I think I was 14. And so I wrote, like I said, I was real heavy on Tupac. And so there was this one song that he did. And I literally wrote a song just like he the the, the exact same way he said it, except I changed the words. So Mm -hmm. everything sounded exactly like him. Mm -hmm. But I just switched out his words with my own words and, you know, made him rhyme and stuff like that. So that was one of the first things I wrote. And I was doing poetry every now and then at school, but it wasn't nothing where I was like, hey, I could you know, I could be serious at this. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I liked hearing and doing. And so what happened was when I was in ninth grade. In Maryland, I went to this high school called Potomac High School. And, you know, like I said, I was real big into hip hop. I I started to notice that I had uh, a a, a talent for beatboxing, which basically is, you know, doing a beat with your mouth Mm -hmm. um, or beating on a trash can, beating on the lunch table, doing a beat with my mouth. I would do those simultaneously. So I would have the beat with my mouth and then I would have my hands doing a beat like a drum pattern. And that that instantly started getting me. Uh, a little notoriety around the school because I was hanging around the 11th and 12th graders who were the real rappers. Mm -hmm. So they would come around and rap and they would be like, drop a beat. So I would, you know, if I got in trouble, if I was in in school suspension or something, I'd be in there and they'd be like, Hey, Javon, you know, drop, drop, drop the beat, man, drop something for us. And I would do a beat or maybe it was a song I heard on the radio and I would try to imitate it. So I was just doing that. I was never thinking about rapping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was doing that. And so what happened that next year I ended up, I ended up moving in 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 and somehow ended up in Jacksonville, Florida. And um I, so I was in 10th grade at this time. Now the the way I started rapping this here's the funny part. 
Um, there was actually a guy, 12th grader, again, you know, I'm the guy that does the beatbox and stuff. Hmm. So I'm with the 12th graders and I was a real funny guy at this time because I used to get picked on. And so in eighth grade, I had a friend of mine that basically kind of taught me how to make fun of people back, like to really be like a, cause I was always a funny person, but I never knew how to like make fun of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of gave me that edge. And so now I go to high school with that edge, you know, so if you make fun of me, I know how to clap back and make fun of you. So, all, so basically there was a 12th grader and uh, we were cool. We were, we were, I won't say we were friends, but we were cordial. You know, we, 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 we didn't have an issue with each other. So one day me and him are making fun of each other. So he's, he decides instead of, instead of, making throwing another joke he's gonna rap about me right so when he he so when he rapped about me you know somebody did the beat or whatever and everybody like almost the whole cafeteria started busting out like all the people it felt like it it was probably maybe like 30 people that heard it right <laughs> so everybody's laughing at me and i'm like i'm thinking in my head i'm laughing too because i'm like man that's not even fair because i don't rap mm -hmm. you know how am i supposed to respond like if i joke <laughs> and you joke but now you're rapping. I don't rap. So what am I supposed to do? So when I went home that night, it was really bothering me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, this guy, this guy really tried me. You know, I can't believe he. So what I did was I grabbed a paper. I don't remember what beat it was, but I just started thinking of a song that I liked. And I said, OK, I'm just going to take all my jokes. I don't care about making it sound good. I just want to make it rhyme. So whatever I think is funny about him, I'm going to turn it into a joke and try to rap it. Right. Mm -hmm. Try to rap it like one of my favorite rappers. So anyway, I scribbled some stuff down and it was probably like two pages. I went to school and I was like, hey, remember you did that rap on me? Check this out. And I, I, I told the people around me. So I just started rapping it. And immediately people started busting out laughing. They was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe yo, he clowned you, you know, stuff like that. Right. So one of my buddies who was a really good rapper who was a year older than me uh, named Terrell, he was like, man, you should you should rap for real, man. You you killed this dude. And I was like, nah, man, I'm not no I'm not no rapper, man. I was just trying to get him back. I don't care about rapping. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was maybe a few weeks later. What he told me was kind of in my head, like maybe you should do it for real. And this stuff was mad corny, but it was so funny. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try. I started maybe writing for a week. And after that, I was just obsessed with it. And so in 11th grade, because this was towards the end of 10th grade. And so in 11th grade, I literally tuned out mostly all my teachers. Um, <laughs> I was writing every class chemistry. I can't remember anything I was taught in chemistry. Hmm. I basically failed those classes. I had to make them up online to graduate on time for 12th grade. Every class we had six periods. So in six, so at the end of the day, I would have six songs or at least six mm -hmm. verses. Uh, I would come back, you know, I would be up all night. And so the rap literally became my life once I learned how to do that, especially because at the time, because I had um, I had younger siblings, I had duties to, to watch them. So I couldn't really participate in sports like I liked. Mm -hmm. So I basically kind of took the rap, the rap kind of replaced the sports. So instead of shooting a million jump shots, uh, you know, working on my game, I was I was writing all the time and I was filling up notebooks, composition notebooks. And I just began to write and just fell in love with the art of writing. That's really cool. Uh, so, I mean, so you've been I mean, you've been doing it a long time. You said you're 31. I mean, this was like, you know, sophomore, junior year of high school. You've been yeah. writing now. Was there a, a time? I mean, have you been writing? creating since then or were there lapses i know you talked about the army you talked about you know moving around a little bit um was, was there a time where you just kind of said nah this isn't really worth pursuing anymore or or have you kind of been doing it the whole time yeah yeah there was a few times um like i said when i was in the army i wasn't really doing it i would i would freestyle here and there 
you know, joke with my buddies. But there was a time because when I was in the army, I was really struggling um, spiritually. I, w- I was dealing with the fact that, you know, I wanted to know more about God and who God was. But at the same time, I was living the life I was living. So there was kind of like this 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 internal struggle that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, um, with that, there was there were many breaks within that. So within the years that I was in the army, I was only in for a couple because I was a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. So within those couple of years, I wasn't really doing it as much. Um, and then when I finally did decide to start really doing it again, I was um, I was more going into becoming a Christian mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, these one guys, they pulled me back because they decided to wait till I was a Christian to kind of talk bad about me. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to let them know that I was still that guy, you know, you know I was still that rapper guy, like, hey, mm-hmm. if you want to go there. So that was pretty funny looking back. But, um, yeah, so I took breaks. And then even now, um, you know, before this album, you know, like I said, I haven't had, hadn't done an album in three years. I wasn't really working on music like that. I did a project earlier with some with some brothers and in, 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 I think it was in January or February that it came out and I, I contributed some stuff to them. But in general, I wasn't really even thinking about rap, even doing rap like that Mm -hmm. i was more so working on my craft if anything Mm -hmm. um i was just studying art studying film because uh if 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 you if you really listen to this album i didn't really approach it like a rapper even though of course all you hear is rap but i really tried to do it i I, I tried to approach it like a like a film director Mm -hmm. or a a television producer you know i tried to have like these stories that were intertwined Mm -hmm. um and i tried to make the track list in such a way where if you really listen to it you can you can you can really follow what's going on on and where I'm getting at mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I approached this album different than I did any other albums. Um, but yeah, there were some, there were, there were a couple years in between where I kind of was like, ah, I don't really know if I want to do this. And then when I became a Christian, it's almost like I had to learn to write again because everything before previously was, was so much about pride. Uh, and it was so much about, you know, crushing my opponent mm-hmm. and letting people know in the room that I was the best. So when I became a Christian, it's almost like I, lost that type of it's almost like I lost my talent because th- it was driven so much of a pride. It was almost like for my conscience, it's almost like I had to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of like relearn. So it's like the steps that I was doing in 10th, 11th grade, it, it almost felt like I was there again. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to like work my way back up, find a new style and find a new me and then just find that balance. And so that's that's really how it um, that's really how it developed. Mm-hmm. No, I hear that coming through. I, I you know, I think. You, you talked about earlier about hip hop culture and, you know, kind of what comes along with that. And I, I hear that, that thread a little bit through your album. Um, you know, it, it's the, the, the money, the, the women, the, you know, and he, I mean, you kind of tongue in cheek talk about that, you know, not knowing, yeah. not knowing how to use our money and like, you know, mm-hmm. just being stupid and, and, you know, uh, not knowing how to budget, not having a man in our life to kind of teach us how to do these things. And you talked even mm-hmm. a little bit about entrepreneurship and, um, you know, what that means and putting money away and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, so talk a little bit about that kind of the, the transition. Um, I guess two thoughts that come to my mind is, you know, becoming a Christian, obviously some of your earlier work was very, you know, overtly Christian. I mean, even the title track, you know, the names of the albums and things, where you said earlier, you're trying to kind of bridge the gap and saying, "Hey, I still have, you know, obviously my worldview comes through, but, but maybe it's it's spanning kind of a a different uh, audience as well." Um, what, what's the kind of what's been the evolution for you, like your process? I mean, how do you think about that? I mean, is that are you very conscious about that, or are you just saying I'm just going to write 
you know, I'm just going to make music that that's just good music. You know, I'm not worrying so much yeah. about, you know, Jesus and every other line or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I want it, I want it to sound good. I want it. You talked about, you know, thinking like a director and that really does come through. Actually. I, I noticed that how you kind of started. Um, I love how you kind of open the album with, uh, is it Shy Lynn who kind of introduced? Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, introduces you and then you kind of, it's really cool how you, it's like a, I don't know if you, I mean, you could say it's like a movie and then you just kind of go through mm-hmm. all these different scenes, um, of different songs and styles and stuff. Um, but talk a little bit about that kind of your, your, your art evolution, faith, um, you know, what, what's kind of been the challenges of being, you know, overtly Christian versus not, um, but still making good work and doing good work and stuff like that. Talk a little about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good one. Um, yeah. When I first started, when I first became, when I first became a Christian, um, I thought that this basically just being a, a Bible preacher over music, I thought that was the way you had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gladly took it on cause I was like, Hey, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to tell people you're supposed to evangelize and stuff like that. So I kind of took on that approach of being very evangelistic in the music and, 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 and teaching and doing these things like that, trying to just, you know, um, use my platform to kind of like break down scripture to talk about different things. And, um, you know, I think I did a, 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 a decent to good job at it. And so, you know, I began to, as I began to study more and, and, and just meet people. And, um, as I just grew in my theology, um, a couple of things came to mind. Number one was, you know, okay, I've given you these type of albums, you know, I've given you at the time it was six or seven of those type of albums, those type of uh, prophetic or, uh, you know, those type of um, theological type of work. And so what I was trying to do was uh, going from going from that to say, okay, where do I go now? Do I just keep doing the same thing? What am I trying to do? What is my goal in music? And I started to know, even when I looked at Christian films and I said, well, what is it about Christian films that I don't, that me as a Christian doesn't like it? Do I not like it because they talk about Jesus? Well, of course not. Cause I like to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what was it? And I started noticing that a lot of these films, they're more focused on trying to be evangelistic than being good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't come across as authentic. It doesn't come across as, you know, this is a Christian, you know, w- what makes the Matrix or, or you know, uh, Harry Potter or X-Men or whatever, um, you know, Marvel movies, what makes those so much better than Christian films other than the fact that they have millions of dollars at their disposal? Mm-hmm. What makes the writing in itself so much better? Um, and I started to really examine that and I started to pay attention to Christian films, Christian music, things like that, my own music and stuff like that. And I said, well, my attitude before was, well, as long as I talk about Jesus, as long as that, you know, I'm, I'm worried about souls being saved or I'm, I'm worried about people hearing about Jesus. So as long as they hear about Jesus, if it sucks, it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so there wasn't really even though, of course, I cared about the art. I think I I think I was trying to be more evangelistic than I was trying to be good. Mm -hmm. And I think that hurt the art at the same time. It didn't come across as authentic. And so what I wanted to do was say, hey, you know, my approach from now on is I want to make great music. I want to make great art. Now, if I am a person of faith in some form or fashion, you're going to hear that somewhere in my music, somewhere in my interviews, you're going, I can't hide that. I can't, you know, as the Bible says, I can't, you know, a a city on a hill can't be hidden. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing that I can actually hide. 
But it's also something that I don't need to say. Let me check my Jesus meter. How many times did I say Jesus? How many scriptures did I quote? Mm-hmm. Did I give an altar call? Did I, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like all, all these different things. That's not how I do art now. That's so, so the way I do art now is to, to where I want to make great art. I want to have a concept and I want to deal with that. I want to tell these great stories because even when you look at the Bible and stuff like that, you see Jesus, you know, where he didn't always just come forth and say, thou shalt not or thou this and that. There were actually parables. There were actually real stories, creative uh, principles that were being laid out to people who were not familiar with what he was saying mm-hmm. or who were not familiar with kingdom principles and whatnot like that. So he used these stories and these parables. And so I feel like as hip hop, we can do the same things. Everything doesn't have to be overtly, you know, you need to do this. Uh, this is what you're doing wrong, et cetera. I think that there can be um, stories. Um, sto- I think there can be stories in that in that um, in that process. And so what I wanted to do to start making, like I said, is is is, is if, if I made a movie, do, do I want to make and this is not to take a shot at anybody. But if I make a movie, do I want to make, you know, uh, Captain America or do I want to make fireproof? Mm-hmm. You know, and in my my humble opinion or my two cents, I want to make Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make the Matrix. I want to make uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting or, you know, some of these some of these classical films. I want to do um, those type of films, not even talking so much about the content, but the quality, the depth of the story, um, things like that is what I want to be to communicate. And so, you know, I think that is where a lot of people get lost from a religious standpoint is that they focus in they're more so trying to convince the listener that they are who they say they are like hey i'm this or i believe this and it's like i have to i can't sleep until i let you know xyz and i think that there's plenty of times in our personal lives to be evangelistic uh there's plenty there's plenty hours in a day um whether you're at your job or whether you're on set of a movie whether you're at the studio or whatever to be to make disciples to be big on um kingdom building that 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 the music is not so much as a necessity as I think a lot of Christians try to make it as if it's, you know, heaven or hell depends on what I put in my music. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, and I think a lot of people look at Christian music as like an office in the church, like Christian rap. They look at it as like like this is, you know, God gave us po- apostles, prophets and Christian rappers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I think that's how a lot of people look at it. And it's like, no, I can be evangelistic. Uh, in, in, in my life, you know, I can I can make disciples and stuff like that. But when it comes to my music, I'm not so much concerned as making uh, uh, disciples in my music as I am trying to make great art and trying to provoke the listener for change to be able to say, OK, let's spark a conversation. But let's not let's not only spark a conversation. But at the end of the day, let me tell you where our hope really lies from. And let me not come. Let me not talk to the listener as I'm on this high horse and they just need to get on the horse with me. More so, let me look the listener in the eye and say, look, you need Jesus. But guess what? I need Jesus. And even though I may already have him and you may not have him, it's not about me bashing you to try to make me myself feel better. Or it's not about me trying to separate myself from you. But instead, it's like, yo, we need to serve God. We as maybe a community. We as a family, we as co-workers, we as filmmakers, whatever we are, we all need to serve Jesus. It's, it's not just that I need to serve Jesus because I'm a Christian and you don't need to serve him because you're not. It's not just that, you know, whatever. It's that we, humanity, all men must repent and, and are commanded to repent and believe in, in, the, in the name of uh, the Son of God. And so 
we're all commanded to do that. And so it's not just me by myself. It's not just you. It's us. And so I wanted to start making art that reflects that, hey, um, we're in this. And so that's why even on you hear on the album, I use a lot of my life to say like, hey, let me use my personal life as a testimony of just what I've seen and and, and to, to relate to people in a way to where it says, yes, I'm a human being. I but I enjoy jazz. I'm a Christian, but I enjoy comics. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not looking for Christian comics. I'm looking for comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for great. Com- I'm not looking for a Christian jazz. I'm looking for great jazz, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so things like that to show let people know, look, I am human. I do enjoy wine. I do enjoy cigars. Uh, occasionally, I do enjoy uh, uh, certain things in life. I'm not this robot that just became uh, fell in love with Jesus. And all I do is read the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, like I do watch Netflix, I do watch Hulu and, and, and things like that. And so I wanted to start making music that, like I said, if I'm if I if I'm doing a show and there's 100 people there or a thousand people there and they say you have Buddhists in the audience, you have Hindus, you have atheists, you have Christians, you have uh, Mormons, you have whatever you have in that audience, old, white, black, uh, young, rich, poor. What type of music do you want to communicate to the listener? Because there's so many people listening. Who do I want to who do I want to what do I want them to gain from that? And I'm like, okay, well, if I had an audience, this is the type of album Crooked Ten and the albums that I do after that. These are the albums that I would want them to hear. And at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, you know that where I stand as far as religion, politics, stuff like that. But you also understand that. This guy's this guy's just like us. He's no different. He's been bullied. He's been in an environment. He's been fatherless. He's been whatever he's been. But at the same time, he's still keeping hope that there is a savior and we all need the savior. And so that's 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 kind of really where my train of thought began to change. And as and as I would watch uh, a lot of Netflix and I would binge certain things and I would read books and I started really seeing why these movies were effective and why. Why do I feel as a Christian um, more authentic by watching something like the breaking bad than I would if I watched a, 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 a typical, like a pure flicks or something like that. Why do I feel more hu- hu- human or why do I feel more, more encouraged to build the kingdom by watching, you know, this over here, uh, guardians of the galaxy than I do when I watch an actual Christian film. And I think a lot of it is the worldview of the non-believer sometimes in certain areas can be more Christian than actual Christian. What I mean by that is not that they have faith in God more than we do. What I mean is that their drive, their determination, their, their, their determination to be great. Um, even Jesus said in a parable that the children of light or, or the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light when it comes to certain issues. You know, he talked about the shrewd businessman, you know, and he went to collect the debt. Mm-hmm. And Jesus basically told the disciples, like, even though this man was, uh, you know, he was getting fired, he still look how wise he was to collect this stuff first. So that way, when he had fired, he got fired. He had something to rely on. Mm-hmm. These are pagans that are doing that. Right. So. How much more should Christians be wise and be able to approach stuff? But yet when you when you read some of the writing, it's like, OK, you know, guy, you know, guy doesn't believe in God. His co-worker tells him he thinks it's a joke. Something bad happens. At the end of it, he's serving Jesus. That's wow. that's just not that's just not real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like, whoa, you know, but you watch a Boys in the Hood film mm-hmm. uh, that takes place in Los Angeles and you're like, that is real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is not for everybody, 
But that is a reality in certain people's lives and a lot of people's lives. And so those are the things that I just really started noticing. And I said, okay, I want to stay true. I don't want to veer so far to the right that people never know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And they never know at the end of the day where I stand. And they never know that the answer is Yahshua, that it is Christ. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to, I don't also don't want to stay so far to where I used to be, to where that's all you know, to where I'm just trying to uh, glue it in your head that Jesus is Lord. It's like, no, he's Lord. I don't have to defend him. I don't have to, I don't have to, uh, uh, you know, um, I don't have to, uh, you know, wreck my brain or, or get high blood pressure trying to convince you that he is Lord. He is Lord. Mm -hmm. And because he is Lord, I can rest in that, not rest to where I'm being lazy and I don't, I'm not active. I'm not making disciples. I'm not building the kingdom, but I can be effective in my art. I can be effective in my home. I can be effective wherever I'm at. And I can be confident that, look, I can put the truth out there and I let God deal with it. I don't need to be this evangelical hammer that has to prove that he's a Christian on every song. You know, if I told it like on, on Crooked Ten, mm -hmm. you know, you hear about Jesus um, on, on the album, but I don't have to say, hey, remember, I told you I was a Christian on the last one. So, hey, I'm a Christian on this song, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I said alcohol, but I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. I'm confident in who I am in God. I'm also confident in who I am in my art. And some people will like that. Some people won't. And that's fine to each his own. But I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, so I'm not really concerned about what people think of me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just really just trying to do the art that I feel God is calling me to mm -hmm. do. That's good. Well, I, I mean, I compliment you because I think this album, it, it it comes through. I mean, you deal with some really heavy stuff, your own personal stuff, stuff in society, racism, you know, you name it. And and yet you you give this thread of kind of hope that's that's kind of woven through. And that's I think what I really liked about it. I, I mean, I can everything you're describing is I, I feel like that's what you really did accomplish is that. You know, you didn't beat people over the head with obviously you're a Christian and, you know, Jesus is our hope and, and all that. But um, but you, you, you just made a good album. I mean, the, the music's really good and it's, it's, it's as good as anything that's out there, I think. And I listen to a lot of music and, um, and, and, you know, CS Lewis, they asked him one time, you know, what, what, what's a Christian supposed to do, um, as far as, you know, a writer, you know, what do they, they write about Jesus? He says, you know, the first goal and the mission of a, of a Christian writer is to just tell a good story. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that was kind of his approach was, you know, I'm not trying to evangelize everybody, but if you read like Lewis's work, I mean, he writes nonfiction and, and fiction. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, his worldview comes through very clearly and it's, and it's impacted Christians and non-Christians. It's been a, you know, much wider audience than just the Christian audience. And I think, you know, you talked about Christian film and Christian music. The problem is you just create these kind of Christian ghettos that, you know, it, it really is for Christians. I mean, that's the reality is like, you're not crossing over. People don't you know, they're not interested in, you know, low budget film. <laughs> That's even, <laughs> even from a, you know, from just a, like you're saying from a film standpoint, it's just, it's not quality. Like you, you listen to Christian mm -hmm. music and you just go, it's just not good. Like from a, I mean, why does certain kind of music stick around? And, and a lot of Christian music doesn't because it just has mm -hmm. that sound. It just has it, it, or it just tries to too hard to mimic other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think for Christian artists that are listening, especially writers and, you know, even music folks is like, you know, make good art first, like, you know, put your heart, put your guts into it, make it sound good, you know, have the quality that it should not just worry about, you know, someone going to come to Christ through this. Um, and, and I like what you said too, just about, you know, it is about relationships. It's, it's hearing your music. You go, 
huh, there's, there's like a hopeful thread through this, even though I, I maybe mm-hmm. I don't know what he believes, but like, you'd be able to interact with your fans and you probably already do is like to talk to them about, you know, where does your hope come from and why, even in the midst of all the stuff going on in society, all the things that have gone in your life, how can you still be, have joy? How can you still be, you know, happy and, 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 you know, not hate everybody and you have every right mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, I, I like what you said about that. It's like, I don't hate white people. I, I just hate white supremacy, mm-hmm. you know, like it'd be That's easy. Right. It's, it's easier just to be cynical. It's easier just to be, you know, angry and, and there's a good anger. I, I believe that. Um, but cynicism is just, is, is just, that's our default nature. I mean, that's just everyone, just everyone's right. You know, this group's right. This group's wrong, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and we can just be bitter and we can be cynical and we can yell and scream, but it never really accomplishes anything. Um, so no, I, I really, uh, I I really think you're onto something as far as kind of the shift. Um, because I think there's a, there's a lot of Christian artists. I, I, I interviewed a lot of writers that are Christians, but you know, they, mm-hmm. they write mainstream stuff and no one would know, but, um, but they're, they're having opportunities to kind of engage with other, other folks in just different backgrounds and religions and stuff. Um, because yeah. they're, cause they're making good art. I mean, their people are, you know, their audiences are going, Oh, this is really good. You know, it's a good story yeah. or a good book or whatever. Um, now what has been kind of your, um, you know, as far as, I don't know what your, how you're getting your music out there. I mean, are you touring around? Are you playing locally? Like, how are you, you know, what are your audiences like? How do you kind of promote that? Um, what, what does this look like when you, um, uh, kind of promote the album, get it out there? I don't know the channels and all that, but uh, talk a yeah. little bit about that kind of the different groups of people you've been connected with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll answer that. I wanted to add, if you don't mind, I wanted to add one more thing real quick to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, as far as, yeah, even like you said, when it comes to the music, um, I really look at one thing I did want to add that I forgot to say was, um, when you look at the Bible, even in, 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 in even when you look at the, uh, the land of Canaan, right. Mm-hmm. And you see the, uh, e- uh, Egyptians, they free the Pharaoh, frees the slaves. And he goes after, of course, God crushes their enemies and then they're stuck in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have easily built a community, and just detach themselves from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see that God said, no, there's a land, you know, with milk and honey. There's a land that's already cultivated. Now, this wasn't cultivated by believers. Mm-hmm. This wasn't cultivated by the people of Yahweh. This was cultivated by Canaanites. Uh, I think it was the Malachites or all the some type of ites. It was mm-hmm. the enemies of God who cultivated this. And at the same time, it was for the people of God. They didn't know that the, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, that they were building all this stuff just to hand it over to the people of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that sometimes we kind of our fear of the public square because we kind of have our little thing like, well, hey, we're over here in this box where this is Christian hip hop. We can't let nobody touch it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to identify ourselves this way and we just stay in this box, just like a lot of local churches or people. It's like, hey, this is our church. This is our club, our community. Mm-hmm. This is our fellowship. And we just kind of hide out in the fellowship and staying. Wait a minute. The world is our fellowship. Mm-hmm. The world belongs to God. The world is Canaan. The world is, you know, so when Jesus says he doesn't say, hey, go out to your next door neighbor and make him a disciple. No, go out to the nations, mm-hmm. you know, for I have all authority in heaven and earth, mm-hmm. you know, um, so everything belongs to Christ. He is, he is, he, he has, uh, he is Lord over all. And so because he's Lord over all, we go out to all and everything belongs to him. And so I, I think when it comes to even that little principle right there, where you see like, you know, the Israelites and God telling them, no, you need to go into Canaan and you need to fight. You know, um, there's going to be lives lost. There's going to be battles, you know, stuff like that. But he could and he could have also easily just 
defeated all their enemies and just gave them the land. But he said, you need to work for it. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing when it comes to the arts, you know, when it comes to us going out and being faithful and making, like you said, uh, with uh, with um, C.S. Lewis, you know, what does a Christian writer do? You know, Mm -hmm. make good uh, write a good story. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we need to go out into the world and 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 could because we have the greatest story ever that ever happened and we have the greatest stories ever. And so if if somebody who's not a believer is making these great stories, what does that say? That's to our shame, mm-hmm. you know, and so we, we can do better in that area. So I just feel like the world is ours. You know, the meek shall inherit the earth. The world belongs to us. And so because it does. You know, I don't have to limit myself to Christian hip hop. I'm not going to deny who my creator is, but I don't have to limit myself to Christian rap or gospel rap or anything like that. Why? Because I'm a rapper, period, because all of it belongs to God. So whatever platform, if I'm at the Grammys, if I'm at the Emmys doing doing TV shows, if I'm at the Oscars because of movies, whatever I am, the, the truth still is the same that Christ owns it all. You know, and so that's, I think, the mindset we need to have, not have this kind of like bomb shelter mentality where we just hide out and, and we have our little club over here. And then we wonder why the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket because we're not out impacting the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not out of, and being amongst these men impacting the world. And so that's what I wanted to say to that. Um, and as far as the um, the marketing and just the, the music right now, you know, like I said, I'm just kind of. Um, Little by little, uh, going, getting back into the groove of things because it has been a few years since I've really been in this type of mode. Mm-hmm. And so I am trying to set up some concerts. I am trying to set up some places where I can do some traveling, maybe do some touring. Definitely at the beginning of the year, I'm getting some, um, I should have some physical copies by the end of this year. And so really just trying to do a lot of marketing online, a lot of marketing face to face in person with people, getting people uh, opportunity to hear the music. Um, we have a 4K, uh, a camera that shoots in 4K. And so we're going to be shooting a lot of videos. We've already got some on our video page and just things like that, man, just really word of mouth and just really trying to get it out there. And then I'm also already kind of brainstorming for the next album and stuff like that. So I'm really just trying to, like I said, continue to tell great stories, be faithful to my worldview. I don't want to contradict my worldview. I want to be faithful to that. But I also am free to, you know, hey, I may not put out something. I may not say Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, or I may not, you know, but then again, I may because on this album I did. So but I have the freedom to do it and I have the freedom not to do it Mm -hmm. and still be and still know that I'm being faithful to the cause Um, versus before I was kind of like limited to where I felt like if I don't do this, I'm compromising um, or I'm, or I'm, or, you know, I'm not being Christian or whatever like that. And so, you know, I'm just free to be able to do that. So yeah, but, but, but earlier in the year and throughout 2018, you're definitely going to hear a lot more about this project. Mm-hmm. That's great. So let me ask you this. So, um, I've been curious just from your angle, because I, I have mostly writers, I mean, that write books and obviously I would call you as a hip hop artist, a writer too, because you're, you know, creating tons of content and writing songs and it's all, it's a different process, but I think, um, you know, this new, you know, would you call yourself like an indie hip hop artist? I mean, you, you don't have yeah. a big label behind you and obviously you got to yeah. kind of hustle and, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, but, but would you say, you know, this, this, this podcast is called the prolific writer. And it's because I really believe that like in our day and age with no gatekeepers is you really have to be prolific is, you know, mm-hmm. you have to create a lot of content. You, you can't just be, you know, my one album, my one book, yeah. you know, my one blog post, <laughs> and then I'm going to be yeah. famous and everyone's going to know my name. It, mm-hmm. It's more, Hey, you got to consistently, you know, build stuff, make stuff. Um, That's right. What would you say is, is, I mean, one, would you agree with that? And kind of what does that process look like for you? Cause obviously you're, you know, working on your next album. 
Um, you know, how do you, how do you do that without sacrificing quality? I mean, I think that's what everybody worries about. Well, you're just going to have junk, but it's like, you know, a lot of times you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. I mean, if you write a song in five minutes versus five you know, years, <laughs> does anyone yeah. know, does anyone know the difference? Sometimes you don't, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so talk a little bit about that kind of just what, what's your plans, what's your goals to get more, you know, content out there, more music out there, more video, yeah. you know, all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, also to let the people know, I do also, I haven't done it lately, but I do also write a lot of blogs. I wrote, I used to write for a magazine out of Atlanta called Rep the King. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote blogs on social issues and do, dealing with different, some of the things that I'm even talking about on my album, whether it be racism, taxation, the prison uh, system, whatever it may be. So I've done, I, I, I do that as well. So I don't just write actual music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to write stories. I'm able to write. Um, and I also have some friends. I have one friend who's actually, uh, who's actually a, a, a writer. He does screenplays, um, and what like that. So I also learned some stuff from him as mm-hmm. well too. Cool. Um, so yeah, so I have, so I, I try to do, I try to, I try to stay around the film guys mm-hmm. because it helps me as an artist. Um, and, and I think I help them as well. And so, but yeah, when it comes to, uh, when it, I, I, I lost my train of thought, what was the yeah just being being prolific i mean getting a lot of content out there writing a lot that's right that's right yeah being prolific um yeah you definitely have to have multiple content i think there's times when i when i'm writing um when i write something good i'm like i don't know if i can keep this up you know because it's like man this is good how can i top that because i'm because i'm at me i'm very critical Mm -hmm. of myself even this album i'm already thinking like man i can top it i listen to it and one minute i listen to it i love it the next minute i hate it i'm (laughs) like it could be so much better you know stuff like that but i'm like hey it's great it's a it's a it's a milestone it's a stepping stone um it's a it's a mark of where i'm at at that time Mm -hmm. and so i can use that and then okay the aim for the next one is to be better than that when i'm competing against myself and so i think being prolific like you said putting out multiple kinds it's just like when you watch an athlete you watch a quarterback no you know nobody says well he had even if you have a record-breaking year as a quarterback in your rookie season you're not going to the hall of fame off that one year you have to let uh, being a legend or being great it takes consistency Mm -hmm. it takes multiple years of for somebody to look and say that person is great you had one great year you may have one great album but are you a great artist you know you look at somebody like michael jackson somebody like prince Mm -hmm. somebody like stevie wonder they've been consistent for years Mm -hmm. you know to, to to be able to look and say okay this is a legend you know frank sinatra is a legend you know the these type of people they've put out song after song after song and so i think with writing uh, whether it be books uh, 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 uh comics uh music whatever that there there has to be like you said multiple content and just always challenging yourself mm-hmm. and i think i think even when i think i don't think there's there, of course, we all get writer's block at times, mm-hmm. but I think that's just due to lack of inspiration. Because when I see, when I listen to certain songs, it inspires I mean, there now don't no no lie. There are certain songs that make me want to quit. I'm like, this is so good. I don't know if I, <laughs> why am I even doing music? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I'll read something and I'm like, I don't, I don't even need to write. Yeah. But for the most part, I hear stuff that inspires me, and when I hear something that inspires me then it's like, okay, it gets, it gets my uh, juices flowing. It gets my motor going. I'm like, okay, I'm about to write something great. Um, so if I read a story, if I, if I watch a movie and like I said, even though I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I write music, I get mainly inspired not only from music, but even movies and television shows. So I'll watch something in a television show and I'm like, okay, I need to incorporate that into my music somehow. I need to convey 
everything that I saw, I need to convey that audibly in my music in five minutes mm-hmm. or uh, across a whole album. And so that's that's really what keeps me going. And I think to be prolific, to be a great writer. And I think, you know, a lot of times we forget that the Bible is a book of art. You know, yes, it's a book of true stories, but there's a lot of art involved. And that's why you don't just see everything's not an epistle. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, uh, 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 you know, you have genealogies, you have uh, um, um, poetic uh, 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 parts, you have uh, songs, uh, you have, uh, um, you know, you have all different type of stuff um, in the Bible. It's not just a, a, a one story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just. Uh, a, a, a book of parables. You have a little bit of everything in the Bible. And so I think sometimes we forget that, that ultimately the greatest artist ever is God himself. Mm-hmm. And he could have given us the Bible just like, I mean, think about even his creation. He could have made everything the same color. Everything could be blue mm-hmm. or everything could be red, tomatoes, red, bananas, red. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't make, he didn't give us colors because, you know, he had to, he did that because he's artistic. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have get everything could smell like, you know, chicken, mm-hmm. you know, you know, but, you know, there's a reason when you come home and your wife or whoever is cooking, you know, apple pie, you could smell the apples from the garage. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why he gives us these senses, these smells and these different colors, this variety of things, because he's an artist and he doesn't make stuff bland. He doesn't just give us, you know, there's a reason why they're seasoning on food. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason for all this type of stuff. And so I'm like, well, if God did that in creation, well, then whether you're writing a book, whether you're writing music, whether you're writing a a short film, whatever it is, we need to have that same type of creativity as much as possible and say, okay, how do I make? Yes, I want to tell people about Jesus, but how do I do it in a way that's never been done before? Mm -hmm. Or how do I do it? That doesn't make what, what makes me different from the book that just came out about Jesus or what makes me different from the last Christian author that did something who's a Christian, you know what I'm saying? So you don't want to be complacent, but you don't want to be a copycat either. So it's, it's kind of hard to find that balance. But I think like, as we go out and I think some of it, to be honest, at this point in 2017, I think Christians need to, I I think Christians need to learn from non-Christians. I'm not saying that we can't learn from Christians Mm -hmm. because we can too. But I think a lot of it is that when we have this legalistic mentality that we can only learn from Christians, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, some of the greatest business people I know are people who are not Christians. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest. Right. You know, when I think about finances, I don't automatically run to Christians because a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. I go to people who are not Christians, but use Christian principles, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> and it's almost like the Christians, we use pagan principles. So it's, mm-hmm. it's funny how kind of the shoe, you know, when things are reversed, but yeah, that's, 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 that's just my advice on that. I think that, we should be uh, just like when Paul, when he went to uh, in Acts 17, he already knew about the culture he was in. He didn't say, well, let me go read a few books. Mm-hmm. I see y'all got this unknown God. Let me go study about how y'all think and how your culture is. He says, no, some of your own poets have even said we are his offspring. So obviously he was in he was immersed in their culture enough to know how to quote their people. And so I feel like if we're in this culture and we don't know uh, our quote unquote opponents or people who disagree like us, that maybe our friends, family, coworkers or whatever, if we don't know how they think and why they think it, then I think a lot of that is is, is showing up in our art. And then when they and then when they listen to it or they read it, we can easily get this persecution complex and say, well, they just don't like me because I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. They just don't like me because I'm I'm a child of God or something like that, when really they just don't like you because you may not be good. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's something I had to face, too. I can't just blame Jesus because people don't like me. Yeah, it may be Jesus sometimes, but also maybe it's just not good. It just doesn't come across as realistic. And once you accept that, I think that's when you can become great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of a lot of big, big ideas there. Um, you know, one I one thing is you talked about, you know, God being an artist and creative. And, and you know, and if if we're made in God's image, then that means we're by nature, we're creative. You know, we you don't have to tell a kid, you know, make stuff or think up stories or use your imagination. It's just built into us. And I, I think, I don't know where it happens. I talk about this a lot on the show and with other people is, you know, this, this idea of creativity, it, it's, it, we usually just think of it in terms of art, you know, art, you know, if it's, you know, writing music or making a film or whatever, but, but just the idea of creating stuff, making stuff. I mean, we're makers by nature because of God's a maker, you know, he's a creator. We, we use the stuff of the world to, to make stuff. And, um, and you know, just how do we, how do we create communities where that's encouraged? Like, I want to see that more in kids. I want to see kids writing hip hop songs and writing mm-hmm. novels and telling stories where we've kind of said that's, that's, you know, you can't make a living doing that. You can't, you know, and it's always about, you know, the capitalistic <laughs> viewpoint. It's like, well, if you can't make money, why would you do that? And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, that'd be like saying, well, you know, I'm not going to love my wife because she doesn't pay me any money. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you love because you love, like you love that person. You, you create because you have to create. That's um, right. And, you know, I think it, even yourself, I mean, if you never made a nickel off, you know, music or film or any of your writing or anything, you'd mm-hmm. probably still do it in one way, shape or form. And, you, you know, because we, right. we've been doing it since we were kids. Um, That's right. And, and somehow we, we, we keep, putting these parameters on it because, you know, like you said, Christians and non-Christians were both made in the image of God. We're both designed to create and make. And so now we may do it now from a different worldview or a different standpoint, but still, I mean, we, we still can make good art. Um, yeah. you know, can you tell a Christian painter from a non-Christian painter? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to have a cross. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, unless you're Thomas Kincaid, you know, and write, make really cheesy <laughs> art, but, um, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's an important conversation that more Christians need to have. Um, you know, like I, I started this podcast, not because I want to just have Christians on the show, but, um, but to have just artists on the show and talk about their process and talk about what they're learning because we all mm-hmm. can learn from that, you know? And so, yeah. um, well, Hey, Jovan, this has been, a um, just a jam packed episode, lots of great things here. And, uh, before you go and before I go, um, tell people, uh, where they can get your album, where they can find you. And then anything else you're working on that uh, we can be, be excited to, to get ready to hear or enjoy. Yeah. My, my website is, uh, under construction right now, but it is Jovan McKenzie is J O V A N M A C K E N Z Y. That's Jovan McKenzie.com. Um, my Facebook is, you know, forward slash Javon McKenzie.com. Um, so basically if they just Google Javon McKenzie, mm-hmm. type that in the uh, search, they can find me. Um, if they go on spot, if they have Spotify, um, Spotify, they can find my music. They can stream my new album, Crooked 10. If they have iTunes, Google play, basically anywhere popular that you can buy music. Um, you know, they can find my music. Apple music, um, is on there. So wherever they, wherever they buy music at, they can type in my name and find, uh, Javon McKenzie and the album is called Crooked 10. All right. And go out and get it. It's really good. You're going to really enjoy it. Um, I've listened to it a million times now. I, continue to listen to it so thank you jovan for coming on the show and uh yeah all the best brother hey thank you for having me brother god bless 
Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, Jovan McKenzie. Thank you, Jovan McKenzie, for coming on the show. Go check out his new album. It is amazing. It's all over the place. iTunes, Spotify, wherever music is sold. Jovan McKenzie. You're going to hear his name around. Trust me. Powerful message. Good guy. Uh, and uh, just appreciate his sharing his the hard things of life and where his art comes from and his process and I know there are things that you can draw from that as well and, and I, lo- I loved how sometimes you know we think about process sometimes our ideas just come from different places we, we don't know if we start with an idea and build from there or we start with a premise or you know in his case we start with music and the lyrics or lyrics and music and sometimes it doesn't go that that way so so thanks Jovan for stopping by the show this is Ryan J. Pelton the prolific writer hey I hope you have a great Christmas if you are listening to this before Christmas and a good holiday get some rest and also get those words on the page and I'll talk to you real real soon Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 